out. It looks like the clock is about to strike midnight on this Cinderella story. It's uh, refreshing, yet uh, displeasing to the eye. Somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat and a red shirt. Now he takes off the shirt. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. In the dying seconds! Unbelievable! They wouldn't say die! That just shows that they didn't come to play. They really come to play here at the MCG tonight. And welcome to another episode of They Came to Play, where we examine AFL footy each and every weekend. Hello, Danny McGinley. Hello, Tess Armstrong. Hi, Leams. Hi, Danny. How good's footy? Footy is the best. I'm starting to wonder if this season even counts. The size of the asterisk around this season is getting bigger and bigger every week as far as I'm concerned. I have it's to. now an obelisk for you. It's, a, it's an obelisk next to the season. It really is. Say, someone credited me, I think, on this podcast for saying there was an asterisk, but I will contend that I, di- I, I may have said that. There's probably audio, but I didn't really believe it. Like, I really think this season is legit. And also I must say that it is very clear how much of the media comes out of Victoria because last week, there was all this um, analysis about who was the flag favourite. It wasn't Richmond, FYI. Um, but they were talking about bombers, right? Bombers are in a bit. They've just like one win away from being favourite. <laughs> but I was like, but it's clearly Port Adelaide, Brisbane. It's all the interstate teams and it's just this denial that they exist or that they're doing well from Victorian teams who just can't. They're like, it must be Collingwood and Essendon. That's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah, well, Tess, the only thing that makes sense to me is that the only change I've seen over the last week is that Richmond have gone from flag favourites to <laughs> unbackable flag favourites. That's the only – I don't know about you, Danny, but that's the only change I've seen. Yeah, it's locked in. It's a giant padlock. You might as well just uh, send the uh, engraver down to Pump Road, cut out the middleman. Because, if I mean, if Richmond don't win – this year's premiership. I know we say this every week, Limo, but yeah. I'd say that this would be the biggest blight on the history of the Richmond Football Club. Yeah. And yeah, I'm going to call it. They would. They would probably need to be liquidated. They would probably need to fold. I mean, imagine the money you'd get for Punt Road. Just put a put an apartment block up there. Fit in beautifully. Oh. Right next to the MCG. Anyway, I really would solve that. the housing crisis. Create jobs. Really, yeah. I think. Liquidating Richmond is probably a very smart move by the Andrews government. Yeah, I think that's a COVID-positive step the um, government with Richmond could make. I mean, we're we're not saying that the government would act unilaterally. They'd do it together with the Richmond football club. (laughs) Bipartisan. Bipartisan. Yeah, that's right. Richmond and the government together. I, I do feel cursed because we haven't even had the opportunity to unfurl last year's premiership flag. They've been waiting for crowds to come back to the football before they unfurl the flag, which may never happen again. Um, separately, I will now go on the record as because we're playing quite well in Queensland at the Gabba and at um, Carrara, I will go on record to saying that I definitely think all finals, all games for the rest of the year should be played in Queensland and never in WA. Just putting it out there, I really don't think WA deserves to have any football played there and only in the home of football, which is clearly Queensland. Hey, why is why is South Australia being left out of this conversation, just by the way? Really? What the grand final be at Adelaide Oval? Port atop of the ladder. They're the form team. Adelaide Oval, glorious venue, holds just as many pretty much. as. Are they letting people in, though? Because there hasn't been any other teams except for Port and Adelaide that have played in Adelaide, right? Do you know what I think? 
can you hold off making a decision onto who's in the grand final until you know who's in the grand final? Wouldn't that be awesome? Well, I reckon they should try and not give anyone home ground advantage in the grand final. Keep it as a truly neutral venue. It'll sell out regardless. I think, look, a lot of people are saying Perth. A lot of people are saying the Gabba. No one's saying the elephant in the room. And, and I believe that the grand final should be played at footy's true home, Docklands. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> uh, roof open or closed, Danny? How, what's your call on that? Uh, definitely closed. Play it on a Sunday twilight. Oh. It's, uh, it's, it's suburban car park and you will have a better quality game. Do not uh, play it. We're never playing football at the Docklands again. It's over. Well, there we are. This is just giving teams like the Bulldogs and St Kilda an unfair advantage if it's played at Docklands on a Sunday night with the roof closed. Their spiritual home. Well, I'm very sorry you MCG tenants might have to play an away game for your grand final. <laughs> hey, it's not going to bother us this year, but Tess, Richmond, how do, you, <laughs> how do you feel about it? I have something to bring to your attention. I'm not going to talk one bit more about Richmond being five parrots because they're clearly not. I wanted to give a big shout-out to Tilly, who's a listener of this podcast, who sent something my way this week. Um, as listeners will be aware, I'm very big fan of the name Jack. There are a lot of Jacks that have historically played the great game and that are currently playing the game. And he provided me with something that was posted on Reddit by someone called Potato, which, uh, you know, good Lord of the Rings life. Anyway, um, and it was a percentage pie. What do you call it? Of pie graph. Pie graph. Maths is not my strong point. Anyway, it was a number of Jacks in the AFL by team and it was a percentage breakdown. So who do you think... <laughs> He's number one with a bullet. Uh, okay. Is this uh, is this today or is this over the history of AFL VFL? I think it's in the, the AFL right now. Well, it's got to be Richmond, doesn't it? Oh, it no, sorry. It's got to be St Kilda. St Kilda. St Kilda by a long mile. They have 20.6% of their team are called Jack, which is quite large. It's the largest of the One population. in five. 20.6%. God. It is a huge amount, followed by Richmond. We are 11.8% of our team are Jacks. It's Jack Rewalt, Jack Graham, Jack Higgins and Jack Ross. Um, and so that's fabulous. And then third, who comes in third, do you think? Uh, I want to say Geelong. Hawthorne's got a couple. It's actually a three-way tie and Hawthorne are not third. It is Carlton, which have a, quite a few Jacks, Jack Martin, Jack Silvani, and who's the other one? Jack Nunes. They took, they stole a Jack from St Kilda. Oh, yeah. Then there's yeah. Gold Coast, which have quite a few Jacks, and also equal is West Coast. Now, who I was disappointed to find out that there are a number of teams that really need to lift their Jack game, which includes your Bulldogs, Danny. You only have one Jack. Jack McRae. Jack mm. McRae. And, and he's actually a Jackson. Is he? Yeah. He is. The lowly types include GWS, Sydney, Brisbane, Port and the Bulldogs. Now, I do think that in recent time that could be a form guide as to why you haven't been doing that well. Hawthorne, Lemo, for you, have two Jacks. You're on 5.9% of your list are called Jack. Yes, but- we've got uh, Jack Gunston and Jack Scrimshaw, so that's two for us. But we do have a lot of Jays. We've got yeah, James and Jagers and, and Joshes as well, so... And Jarman. Oh, yes. But anyway, lift your game, everyone else. Get some jacks in your team. You do well. It's the only way. Well, Tess, I've got uh, news on on names. Our friends over at Useless AFL Stats Mm. uh, this week uh, pointed out that uh, the last player to be named Ned to win a game of VFL slash AFL 
was Ned McSweeney, uh, who played for Essendon in round 13, 1928. It has been 92 years of wilderness for Ned's. Uh, three thirty-three thousand six hundred and six days. Uh, there's a Ned McHenry uh, who plays for the Crows. He might end the drought tonight against St Kilda. Danny, this is your kind of area. Who would Ned Kelly have played footy for? Oh well, he's a he's an angry Irishman. Uh, I reckon he'd be. Oh, we're looking like a Mitch Robinson type player there. I could see uh, him going up to the to the Lions. Mm. Um, so you, you want to say someone like Toby Green, but uh, but Ned had a lot of support from his, uh, you know, he had he had close mates, and uh, I'm not sure how many of the Giants players are going round to Toby's place for a for a game of FIFA and a cup of tea. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, I can see Brendan Favola being quite a Ned Kelly type character. I think oh, he'd yeah. come from North Melbourne. I think he'd play for the Kangaroos, like real outback type. And yeah. just like a rogue type where you don't really get a read on whether he's good or bad. Like we say, Ned Kelly's bad. You don't know. <laughs> good. You know. I think you're right, Tess. I think it's North Melbourne or the Bulldog. Mm. Mm. Do you know who they'd be? They'd be a, uh, a North Melbourne or a Bulldogs and then poached by the Swans in their prime years. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's yes. it. It makes sense. One more thing on names and then before we leave names behind, but on the weekend Jake Arts played for uh, Richmond in his second game. He kicked his first goal. It was very exciting. His last name is a double A, so double A-R-T-S, and someone asked Sir Swamp about whether or not he was the first alphabetically player that had ever played the game. But turns out he's the second in the alphabet, if you go back in time, behind Vic. Annenson, which was double A N E N S E M. His nickname was Stretch. He was six foot six. He played for South Melbourne in the VFL, Port Melbourne in the VFA in the seventies and eighties. Two time league best and fairest, and Port's team of century. So Vic Annenson did quite well. And then someone asked about, of course, Cam Zerha, who was let out of the team. I say let out like he wanted to leave because he didn't <laughs> want to play. Performance. Could be. Well, they, they were. He was in the team, but they were announcing it alphabetically, and he just left before. <laughs> also, because Google came back in, so there's a lot of zeds. Anyway, uh, he was laid out, and when they're alphabetically sorted, he's second last in the league ever. So that's quite fun. Ahead of Peter Zichia, Zichler, who came from St Mary's in the Geelong Footy League and played twelve games for the Cats in the early eighties. So bring on the double A's and the double Z's and the names. There we go. Good name gear this week. And also on uh, Swamp, we put it to him uh, who was the tallest captain of uh, of all time and the tallest player to ever captain a match, Aaron Sandilands, filled in for Frio. Oh, congratulations, uh, Aaron Sandilands. Were we also asking about the tallest ever captaincy combination playing against each other? Oh, oh we'll put that to him. Someone also asked for the highest uh, height differentials between uh, a captains. So maybe, you know, if... Aaron Sandilands uh, played against Caleb Daniel. You know what? Are, mm. What's the what? What match had those? Has Caleb Daniel ever captained uh, the Bulldogs in a game, Danny? Not yet. He will. All I'm right. sure he'll put his hand up for it. Will you see it? Hey, um, should we have a look at some of the football that happened this weekend? I guess. Let's do it. Hey, can we start with match of the round? Oh. Uh, Hawthorne Melbourne. What a game! Oh, Lima. Okay. <laughs> no, let's start with Port and Carlton. Really? What what order are you doing, Lemo? We either do it from Thursday or we do it backwards. You're a maverick here. I'm going all over the place. So we have to start with this game. It was clearly game of the year. 
It was oh, unbelievable for many reasons, one of them being that Carlton were good. Carlton were really good. And then both teams were awesome. Like it was a very good game of football, which I think maybe because our expectations are so low at the moment, we were overplaying it. But there was a great deal of screaming in my, in my car listening on the radio and on the radio just to see two teams really have a crack at it and then it be close. It was overwhelming. And at the end, Port just tried so hard to lose that game, but they just couldn't pull it off anymore <laughs> and had to settle for the victory. Tragically, who was the kid who um who who missed the the sitter with like uh, thirty seconds to go? He missed from like nine meters out. Oh yeah, it was um it was a dead set shocker. He was literally and Gra- Robbie Gray handballed it to him. Mm. Todd Marshall, that was Todd Marshall. Yeah, because Robbie Gray could have kicked that. It was like if Robbie Gray had missed that final kick, there would have been a betting inquiry because he missed a set shot. <laughs> Then he handballed off to Todd Marshall and then he, of course, kicked the last one. So, the day in the end. You'd want him kicking the goal after the siren. He's so awesome. And I might add, I, you know how I've said many times in this podcast how much I love Ken Hinckley and Sunday's win celebration is exactly why he went absolutely skip in the uh, box. He was banging the doors. All of the assistant coaches were also celebrating and carrying on. He went into the into the press conference and started with a never in doubt, which is very funny. Then he said, yes. what a great f***ing win in the press conference. <laughs> he was jumping around. He is like the coach manifestation of how fans watch their team. And you just think how you want them to win a premiership to see how he would celebrate the premiership. Like he would lead Mad Monday by a mile. <laughs> would, he, would he outdo Choco Williams with the <laughs> necktie noose from 2004? Yes. Except he would have to say, David Koch, you were wrong. (laughs) That would be awkward. You were wrong. He'll come out as the cat cow. How many times have you guys watched uh, Robbie Gray's goal? Uh, I think I've watched it twice. Do you know how stressful it is? Not only because he is, um, you know, about to to win the game. Has anyone watched the photographer behind Robbie as he's taking the mark and is about to shoot? He's not taking the photos. He's like uploading onto his laptop. He's cleaning his lens. You're, Dude, put the camera on Robbie. <laughs> I don't know if it's a rugby league guy who's just been brought over to the Gabba. It was, I was just screaming at him. Maybe he thought it was over because the siren went. Exactly. He thought it was over. He's packing up for the day. Hey, Danny, you're a union man. This bloke's got his union hours. That's it. As soon as the siren goes. You're done for the car. He's walking off. He's walking off. He's out. Oh, then it's all right. I don't know who's one of the comrades. Okay, yeah. good on him. <laughs> I would say um, in sad congratulations to Cade Simpson, that loss took him to the leaderboard of the most losses by any player yeah. ever in the NFL. Oh. Well done. That's 200 losses. Did they... <laughs> What Carlton should have done then is like sung a losing song and just doused him with Bowerade. Uh, they should have had balloons come down from the sky. If it was at the Dufflands, we could have organised balloons to come down. Congratulations, taking over from Kevin Murray, the great Fitzroy, the Fitzroy great. It leads me to my eternal question. Is it worse if your team loses after the siren or you're never in front? Oh, no, never in front. I think it's worse after the siren. cop losing after the siren. No. So you'd rather that? Are you saying which one's better, Lima? I'm saying I would rather never be in front. Yeah, same. Losing so, after the siren is the absolute worst case scenario you can offer up in any 
any situation. Terrible. Yeah, because you go through the stages of grief of a loss. You're in denial and then you're sort of in uh, uh, fear and then bargaining and then acceptance. Yeah. With When you're being creamed, you go through all those in the quarters beforehand. You're at acceptance by the time you're walking out and you're seeing the happy opposition fans. But when you lose after the siren, you're still in denial and they're screaming in your face. It's Yeah, it's a horrible experience. It's yeah, true. no, there's, no, there's just nothing good to take out of that except if you're a Carlton fan and Cade Simpson now heads that list of losses. <laughs> Tess, I sent that list to a friend of mine, Dave Hughes, who's a mad Carlton fan, just with the line, all I wrote underneath that it was silver lining, question mark. (laughs) And he wrote back and said, that's 209 times I've hated life. (laughs) (laughs) So Hughesy not enjoying it. I did think, like, I know they lost, but they were actually quite good. And I did think about people like Ed Kerno and Kate Simpson, and this feels wrong coming out of my Richmond mouth, but I really want to see them do well. Like, they have stuck it out at that team through mm. being absolute pit losers, and so I really want to see them come good because they're young players. It's so exciting when they play well, and who in the world could not like any bets? So I'm finding myself weirdly barracking for them, which I just quite confronting. I, I, You know what, Tess, I'm a little bit the same. Although I go up and down, I wanted Port to win that game on the weekend. But the weekend <laughs> before, when they, they beat the Bulldogs, sorry, Danny, but I was just the excitement coming out of Carlton fans, I was quite enjoying. Yeah, it was quite infectious. And also, speaking of Eddie Betts, uh, congratulations in order. Eddie has uh, got his wife uh, pregnant again. And uh, I, don't know if you, I don't know if this is too blue for the podcast, but I have it on good authority that uh, Eddie actually impregnated her from the other side of the room uh, with a check site. Whoever <laughs> <laughs> have to ask, I'm not sure if it's too blue for the podcast. It probably is. It's already been nominated for impregnation of the year. But yeah, it probably is. <laughs> <laughs> he did it from his pocket. Hey, um, I, can we go back to Ken Hinckley in the post match press conference? When What did he say again, Tess? Never in doubt. What a great thing win. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and then he goes, oh, sorry, is this, have we started? Is this on? I thought, what an amateur. There's about 55 microphones and 15 cameras. <laughs> it's like, they're always oh, on. Did someone record that? Yes, and they're always on. Uh, anyway, that was, that was clearly match of the round. And since I've decided to adopt the hodgepodge approach here, what game would you like to do next, guys? <laughs> oh, it's up to us. Talk about the derby or the dar- derby. Oh, um, all right. Let's go. I just want to talk about how, like, you know, with the showdown, even when the teams are at different ends of the scale, like when Adelaide were up and about and Port weren't going so well, the showdown is always a good game and the derby is yes. a disappointment and it sucks yes. because I'm yes. for Frio to do well. The carry, like, there was an amazing package before that game done and um, narrated by Matthew Pavlich and I was feeling extremely inspired mm. you know Frio have got like their you know their long their loved one J-Lo come back to he's got, got Peter Bell they're doing that real like we're Frio people rebuilding thing and I thought maybe today's the day and they started quite well and Michael Frederick's debut was so exciting oh, and great player. Just completely smashed them which they always do and Josh Kennedy is best on ground again kicks a million goals and he's 250th good for him but it's so boring and it just it doesn't deserve the billing that it gets at the moment. Yeah, can you even remember a good derby? I can't. One since 2015. West Coast have won 10 in a row. So, no, not really. But I'm trying to remember. And what's the average margin? Yeah. It's got to be like five goals as well. <sighs> it's just annoying. It's a better way to measure it, Danny, is to say 
the average time that non-Western Australians turn it off. And normally, normally it's 10 minutes into the third quarter is the average time we switch it off. I will say as well, it was so funny to have crowds back. Like there was, you know, 20 plus thousand people there um, and they were booing. And I thought, oh, WA people, for goodness sake, like you've got back to the footy. <laughs> you've gone straight back to oh. no cheering, only booing. Oh, they were booing Gaff though. I think that's fair enough. I know, like, did punch the hell out of the other player. on. But then if you, if you care so much about it, then play well and beat them. That's the best way to stick it up Gaff and stick it up the Eagles. Play well, for goodness sake. That's my take. It, 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 it does feel, Tess, it does feel weird. The world, the, what the world's dished up this year in 2020 has been as extreme as we'll experience in our lifetimes, yet footy's finally allowed to have a crowd back and it's just dominated by booing. <laughs> How, what does it take? to make people just happy that they're able to go and see a game of football. We're just so relieved. Oh, easy. Don't live in West Australia. Trust me, it cheers me up every day. Yeah. It was pretty funny. But also I will shout out to um, the the difference, I think, was that Rory Lobb was wearing um, short sleeve jump and not three-quarter three, length, three length. And so don't change the path, Rory. That's yeah. what I'm going to go with as being the real difference. A uh, highlight, of course, was uh, Tabiner being tackled by Cole. Uh, Nick Revolt style with Nick Revolt commentating. Just ran into the open goal, snuck up like a librarian. The other commentators were, uh, who did we, uh, Jonathan Brown was commentating. And I was trying to think what would be the equivalent, like things that happen in their career for them to commentate. And the only thing I had for Jonathan Brown was if Jonathan Brown was commentating and a player got severe concussion in the opening minutes of a grand final and then played on and dominated. Uh, And then Gary Lyon was the commentator. Uh, So the only way it'd be the equivalent if, I don't know, if if one of the players just had an affair with one of his teammates' wives during the match. (laughs) Well, I'm sure we won't have to wait too long, Danny, until... (laughs) It may happen soon. They're playing every night of the week. They're running out of time to have affairs. So they're fitting the quarter time breaks. So we'll so, see. Although they're, all, they're all in a hub with the partners. So who knows? Who knows? That's true. Can I hey. also put something out to the group? You know when you have false memories, and I have a lot of them, but I have, like, I'm, I am 100% sure, sure, well, 100, I wouldn't be putting it out to the group, 98, that Josh Kennedy was a vegan at some stage. Now, I know this sounds crazy but I'm pretty sure that a few years ago because I know he's big into the isolation tubs and he has like a business about that and mindfulness and stuff and I was pretty I was certain that he was a vegan but when I google it I can't find any evidence that that was the case but I'm pretty sure it was true but at the moment he did an ad for Hungry Jacks and they play it a quarter time but Hungry Jacks do a vegan burger and so it could still check out do you have any memory of this I think he could be a vegan because he takes those tiny, sad little vegan steps before he kicks the goal. So he's got a vegan beard. He's got a vegan beard. I need someone in the listenership to confirm or deny because I just I'm really worried about my mental health because I've I've if I've created a story, an alternate timeline where Josh Kennedy was a vegan, it seems very specific and niche. The only famous vegan athlete I can think of is Peter Siddle, the fast bowler. Well, Ben Brown's a vegan for North uh, Melbourne. Ben Brown famously wore a vegan suit with a Brownlow medal a few years ago. Well, a suit made out of a vegan. <laughs> Buffalo <laughs> Bill oh, yeah. style, salt of the land. Well, it took three vegans, but yes. <laughs> um, 
He's very tall. Yeah. So anyway, if anyone knows of uh, Josh Kennedy's uh, veganness, please get in touch. It definitely isn't the Sydney Josh Kennedy because there's no way the grandson of John Kennedy Sr. would be a vegan. That's no, just not possible. That, anyway, someone will know. So you're not getting them mixed up at all. Uh, well, let's let's finish off our uh, Sunday games then, shall we? Yes. Let's uh, hey. Hawthorne Melbourne game. Look, the highlight out of this game for me is finding out that Cozzy Pickett's dad is a stand-up comedian. Did you know this, Danny? No. Who's what? what? Uh, James Brayshaw mentioned that Pickett's dad is a stand-up comedian and missed his debut game because he had a gig. Now, where does he? I, what's his name and where does he live? Uh, I don't know. I don't know where where is Pickett. Where does Pickett originate from? Do we know? We have a look. I know Tuke Miller from Gold Coast. His dad is a, did stand up for a bit. I've seen him be funny at like some open mic nights. Very funny man, oh, Wiley okay. J. Oh, he's uh, he played in the Sandfall. Hang on, born in Western Australia. God, born in WA. So, so anyway, we'll find out if anyone's got a clip of uh, Pickett's oh, dad. On to it. Look at her producer skills. Hang on. Do we? I think it's Kevin Croppenieri, who is very recognisable oh. to me. Yeah, I know Kev. Yeah, Kev Croppenieri's. Really? I think he says on his uh, post, hang on, I'll find this, where he's talking about um, being proud of his son. Anyway, stand stand by. I'm going to find out. Oh. Have you worked with him, Danny? Uh, I have not. I've. Uh, we were supposed to do Comedy Festival Roadshow together. Uh, but he had to pull out due to a family emergency, and that's as close as I've got to gigging with him. I've definitely seen his his gear. He does deadly funny and uh, uh, Aboriginal lol. Uh, he is, you know, uh, does a lot of indigenous gigs with uh, with Dane Simpson, and so okay. yeah, like he's got skills. He's he's got bona fides. He's not just a, an open micer. He's a pro. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying my son Kafaya getting some air in his deadly screamer. Keep an eye out for him. This was a couple of years back. He was tweeting. That's fun. He's a funny man. Uh, well, we'll keep an eye out for uh, Pickett's old man on the comedy circuit. Uh, and Lima, which, who are you more je- jealous of? Uh, the fact that his son is playing AFL football or he's a comedian with a gig? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm more jealous that he's a comedian with a gig right now, as much as I want my son to play AFL football. I, and just one thing I just wanted to say to Alistair Clarkson and the Hawks, I think last week at training, using a Max Gorn cardboard cutout as a forward target is a bad idea at training because, <laughs> wow, did they manage to pick him out about 35 times yesterday moving forward. It was. Gordon was dominant. Oh, my God. He took, what did he take, about 1,000 intercept marks? Hawthorne seemed to be, Hawthorne and North, the culprits for bad football at the moment. They are the two teams that are so boring that it is unwatchable like even to watch Melbourne I was like oh I kind of want to watch Melbourne win but I would have to watch Hawthorne be so bad that it actually is so boring I'm upset by it. I thought I would enjoy it it's just like what's happened to me I thought this would be fun but it's actually oh, no, I enjoyed fun. it I enjoyed it it's actually it was, it was fun boring. Uh, <laughs> we are I can report I've got some inside information we are tanking for draft picks so <laughs> <laughs> Tragically, no Puapolo, no Hawthorne. You drop uh, Puapolo, who I still say is the most underrated player this century. He's the reason you got a three-peat. Whenever you watch those games where you would pull it out at the death, Poppy was always instrumental in those wins. 
so, oh, and, and you know, Melbourne and Hawthorne playing each other, it is very much the private school cup. It's, you know, the most mm. middle-class teams in the league. And just as if the day couldn't get any worse, a more middle-class nightmare, apparently Ben Stratton's house didn't sell at auction. Oh, right. Uh, okay, well, let's try and get a few more people along to the next auction. Um. <laughs> No, Petrarca was amazing. I will say that maybe similarly to the other week when St Kilda fans were cross that no one was talking about how good St Kilda were and then they lost to Fremantle at the end of the game, maybe for Petrarca, just like let him play good football. Yesterday they were like, he's better than Dustin Martin. He's the best player in the league. I'm like, dudes, just you're going to ruin him. This is how you ruin people. (laughs) You don't have to make him the new anything or anything, it'll only disappoint you and everyone when they get flogged next week and he doesn't get a position. So just hold your horses. He uh, he was very good. There's no doubt about that. But the other standout to me was the Melbourne fan wall. Everyone was going crazy on the Melbourne fan wall except for one guy who just sat dead still in oh. a lounge chair and barely... Was he bottom left? Yes. And he barely... Yes, I saw that guy. But then late in the game, they kept the fan wall up for a bit longer than usual and then I saw him go nuts, and I thought, oh, he's got really slow dial-up. Yeah, he's on the end. <laughs> he's only, like, seeing the game for some reason, or he's hit pause at some point and hasn't realised. Uh, yeah, seven, I saw it, him. It was on about a 10-second delay. I also liked, with talking of fan walls, they showed when Hawthorne got a late goal, they showed the Hawthorne fan wall and half of them had given up. They didn't <laughs> even clap. They just sat there sullen, and it was gorgeous. Yes, well, I'd well and truly given up by that point. Hey, let's, let's move on to the other terrible team in the comp then, North Melbourne, who got a little touch-up from the flag favourites of Richmond on the weekend, Tess. I loved it. It was great because I feel very anxious. You know how every every fan has a random team that they think their team does badly against? And our- yes, Tess, you have 17 of those. <laughs> so true. I feel like that every <laughs> But North in particular because I've been to so many games where we've been beaten by North regardless of where we are and where they are. Also, as I've discussed, I grew up in the 90s, so Essendon and North are forever villains to me. So, like, losing to North brings back vicious memories um, from the 90s when they're amazing. So I always still feel a bit triggered. And before the game, I tweeted at Swamp because I had a bad feeling about Saturday nights against North Melbourne, but it turns out it wasn't Saturday nights that were the problems, it was the other nights. And so also it turns out what the problem is is that Terrible ground, the Docklands. So when we don't play the Docklands, when we play right. our spiritual home, Carrara, um, <laughs> we're amazing. And it was so good. Marlon Pickett's goal was awesome. Dusty was up and about. Marbia Chol is awesome. Noah Bolter's good. Like Eggy, Derek Egmosi Smith is quite good. And so I was just so happy. But then even I was a bit like, come on, North. Like give us something to play against. They well, do you know who the highest possession getter for the game was, Tess? Who? It was Sean Higgins and Trent Dumont. Well, they got higher possessions than any Richmond players. Exactly. Didn't, didn't North have the highest four four or five possession? Uh, I just wrote down the top two, but North they got four out of the top five. Four out of the top five. There you go. Turns out, though, when you have nothing to do with it on either end, it becomes relatively void but they I think yeah Sean Higgins they were talking about how in the shortened shortened quarters how incredible it is to get 36 disposals which it truly is I don't know what like last year when we played against them that was so exciting against us but a lot of it was Zerha I remember Zerha being amazing so and Jack Siebel went out so it was a you know a bummer 
But, yeah, I found it boring for everyone else, thrilled for me, and I realised how much my life is truly better when Richmond win, and I just feel so much happier. And we are happy for you as well. Hey, Danny, tell me this. Is it any consolation to North Melbourne uh, that they kicked as many points as Richmond? Is there... <laughs> <laughs> is this any I'm sure that's the nicest thing anyone could say about North Melbourne. <laughs> Do you know this game was so bad, Tess? Limo and I were texting each other what oh. was happening in the movies that were on other channels. That's right. I, I found Jurassic Park on Go, the first one. It was really good. Uh, what yeah. were you watching, Limo? I, I was watching a French spy TV series <laughs> called The Bureau. And it was so bad. The Ghostbusters remake from a couple of years ago, which is a absolutely terrible film. Uh, I even watched ten minutes of that. It was still more entertaining. Yeah. No, that's a horrible review of the game, Dennis. If you didn't go for Richmond, it's not one you should go back and watch. But if you do back for Richmond, go for it. It was also nice because Daniel Rioli was doing good things again because it's been a bit of flack to drop him. But the issue this year with all teams is that if you've got a player in your team that doesn't respond to punishment, you know, for example, we've all got those players where if you put them back to the twos, they feel bad about themselves, they play really well, they come back to the seniors. But Daniel Rioli isn't really that person and he relies on form and momentum and all of that kind of stuff. And there's no twos at the moment. So you kind you of need so he needs different sort of punishment, maybe maybe spanking. <laughs> Just to keep playing yeah. in terrible games each week <laughs> until he learns his lesson. So that's just Oh yeah, he should watch the replay of the game as punishment. As, <laughs> really that, is good, that is good punishment right there. And maybe it's a Rioli thing, because I can tell you Cyril never played a game for the Box Hill Hawks. No. There's no point. He played a grand final. He played the 2014 VFL final played and got taken off at three-quarter time. And won a grand final, a classic skill. No, no, they lost because they took him off. And Fen Footscray won. They did. Yeah, it was our first grand final in 100 years. Yes, that's no. right. No. Uh, anyway, 70, um, 80 years. And a, uh, and a shout-out to Marlon Pickett, who's been, who was very good for my super coach on the weekend as well. So. Hey, Limo said super coach, drink. And, <laughs> and to maintain the theme uh, and to move on with games with a seamless segue, uh, Isaac Rankin has also been very good for my super coach. Uh, <laughs> As we mentioned last week on the show, two guys, uh, you ha- there has to be more highlights in your game than there is in your hair, and that remains true for Isaac Rankin. So I'm a fan. Good on him. I just, yeah, he's unbe- he's unbelievably good for football because you desperately want to watch Gold Coast to see what he does, which is what every team really needs. But also great is Ben King, who I contend looks exactly like Ian Moss from Ian Moss's most handsome year. Yes. And now Max King, his brother, also looked like Ian Moss, but he cut off his mullet, which was a really bad idea. Never cut off a mossy mullet if you've got one. So I love watching Gold Coast for lots of reasons, but also they've got great hair. They do have wonderful hair, but, uh, yeah, the cutting of the mullet, that should be banned. I'm really digging the the range of mullets that are popping up across the competition at the moment. (laughs) So many. Uh, Young Josh Morris for Hawthorne yesterday. Looks superb. Yeah, it's quite glorious. And I like I love the idea because actually mallets have been back in style with young folk for quite a long time, but there's a lot of confusion like, when did this happen? And we're so out of the loop and there's just so much concentration on the mallet. Like you loved it. And when people are young, they know that there are trends that you engage in that may or may not be bad and that bad or good. Mm. And that's just what they're doing too. Um, also, it was nice. The other massive 
highlight for me for Gold Coast was um, Nick Holman kicked his first goal for the Gold Coast Suns and they referred to him on the tally as a journeyman. And now I think that term is super underused. We don't hear a lot about journeymen. Yeah, I heard this, Tess. I, I thought it was an insult, <laughs> a journeyman. A journeyman is, is a career player, or definitely in NFL circles, a journeyman is someone who never reached their full potential. I thought it was just someone who took an, took an off path. Took the took long it, way round. Took it. Oh, I thought, <laughs> I thought you were mispronouncing taken. I thought a journeyman was just someone who's played at a lot of different clubs. Well, can we get maybe from the listeners a consensus about the definition of a journeyman, whether it's an insult yeah. or a compliment? Because I thought it was a compliment, but I also was trying to think about other journeymen and I was thinking about people like Marlon Pickett for us who went the long way around via prison and then came back to play football and then Scott Lysette who had to go to Gold West Coast and then come back to Port. But, you know, then there must be journeymen in every team, but we just don't hear it that much. Because it's an insult. Mm. I mean, the only good journeyman was what? Steve Perry. <laughs> I, did a, I did a music joke, people. I did a pop yeah. music joke. Come on. It's funny. Uh, anyway, so that was pretty good. For the Swans, Elijah Taylor playing the number 37, which is the first player that's played in that number since Adam Goods. He requested from Adam Goods that he wear the number. Oh, wow. indigenous man. And there's a beautiful photo of him in the, in the jumper. And then also Buddy Franklin presented his jumper with his parents on Zoom. It was just beautiful. So... I think it shows like a lot of respect and grace to request such a number and to take that on and good on you. So journeymen and women, you know, I feel like we need to get a consensus on the definition from that from our people. Very keen to find out if it's an insult or not. I really didn't think that. Another highlight, well, really the only highlight for Sydney, like they were big in it and they were out of it again, was um, Tom Papley's incredible leap over the top of Will Hayward who'd kicked that goal. <laughs> he came and Will Hayward's face when Tom Papley appears on the other side of him out of nowhere is so funny. That was just the best goal celebration I've seen for quite a long time. I do I do enjoy a leap over the top of another player. <laughs> Try and we leap over. We don't see enough of it. I mean, hey, remember when Leapfrog was a part of a standard pre-season in football back in the 80s? You'd see team players leapfrogging each other. <laughs> I do remember that. Between each other's legs. Yeah, it used to be standard procedure. I don't think they've done it. It's gone the way of walking over hot coals in Adelaide. <laughs> that was standard procedure as well, of course. Who would have thought that would be the preferable Adelaide camp? Like when you look back on Adelaide camp. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hot coals over the new one. Not good. Hey, uh, what about GWS and the Brisbane Lions? Oh, I want to get all uh, Fox footy on you now, real, genuine, maybe Triple M, 3AW style. A uh, question without notice, uh, yeah. T-Bone and L-Dog. Uh, are the Suns closer to a flag now than the Giants? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. I'm going to say the Giants still, just. I'm going to say the Suns. I can say yeah. The inspiration thing, they've got that chemistry of playing together that the, that the Giants are lacking at the moment. But I do feel for the Giants because we're, unlike every other team, when you look at every single week the commentators make it explicit how many players they're missing and they always are missing like 10 amazing players. Yeah. Like they've always got, they've got an incredible list but they are never all playing at the same time. They are constantly plagued by injuries. So it feels as though they are never going to quite be able to get the consistency of playing together, to get the chemistry that they're all playing together for long enough 
to come good. But who knows? It does look like they're going to miss the finals now, GWS. There, there are a few games out of it. Uh, I was, But for the Lions, I was talking to uh, one of our most active listeners, Mike from Brisbane. He's a big Lions fan. And he said this game was really important for them because he's had a bit of a fear that the Lions, although great fun to watch and everyone's second team, were going to always choke in big games. This one meant a lot for them to win away against the team that knocked them out of the finals last year. Mm. And it was a good win too. Really. I never felt as though it was in doubt on the weekend. And they led from start to finish. They never they never tried the Giants. And it was good for the Lions because last week they played at the Giants Stadium too against the Cats and they just really fell well below standard, which was weird considering what Geelong dished up this week compared to what they dished up. That was at SCG. Oh, was it? I thought it was at Giants Stadium. Yeah, oh, SCG. SCG. Well, then that makes sense. <clears throat> but it was happy. It was Giants Stadium. Maybe I'm getting something there. But it was so good just to see them like after two weeks away Get to get the win, and now they go back to Queensland. They play almost all of their games at home, and people might feel confronted about that and whatever you think about the asterisk. But if you if you can take advantage of that in your team, go for it. And last week, Mitch Robinson and Scottish Suitcase seemed genuinely injured, and then they were out there playing like nothing had happened, which was just weird. I was like, "Were you injured? What you done?" Uh, well, you know what they fired up for, Tess. You know what Saturday was? It was State of Origin. The two Queensland teams beat the two New South Wales teams. There's no rugby league state of origin for for months. So, yeah, Queensland won origin this year. That's awesome. Has that ever happened before? The two Queensland teams beat the two New South Wales teams? Probably not on the same day, no. Got to check that bump. That's exciting. Um, And state of origin. And Cam Rayner, like, he's one of those players that everybody's been talking about for years and years, but he's starting to play consistent and he's just so fun. Like, that pack mark was so old school. Um, And McCarthy keeps taking speckies all the time. Like, they're just so exciting. But I did think CWS came back a bit. At least they were in it. They didn't, like, completely capitulate. They didn't completely capitulate, but I'll tell you what else was old school. Chris Fagan on the sidelines telling players off. I felt told off at home just watching what was going on. The point of the finger, the shake of the head, the sideways glance. You came home after you said you'd be home at 11 and you came back at midnight and Dad was waiting up and you thought, I thought you had gone to bed. (laughs) I'm telling you, a couple of those players, they're either writing 100 lines out this morning or they're cleaning (laughs) the bathrooms with toothbrushes. (laughs) Fagan looked like the disappointed dad, but Leon Cameron looked like the very frustrated stepfather. Like he wanted to belt them, but he's not allowed. It's just like, your mother and I, I just can't even. (laughs) She's at her wit's end. (laughs) He uh, he was not happy on the the weekend. Uh, But uh, good on Brisbane. I'm still barracking for a Brisbane Port Grand Final, I've got to say. Me too. It'd be awesome. And if Saturday, if Sunday's Port, is anything to go by, and Saturday's Lions, bring it on. Hey, can you imagine, remember last year everyone wanted a Richmond-Collingwood grand final because just how big it would be, Mm. massive. Imagine if it was Richmond-Collingwood grand final this year played at Carrara. (laughs) 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 No one can come. uh, And Victorians are still aren't allowed to leave the state. Um, (laughs) What about Friday night, Danny McGinley? 
Oh, what happened there? What happened there? Yes. Oh, the uh, what was the dogs? Yeah, we 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 smashed our our bunnies, uh, the bombers, who we haven't lost to during the beverage era. Uh, it was yeah, it was fantastic to watch. Um, I, I felt a bit patronised uh, by you two both texting me individually, going, "Oh, this is not actually a bad game." <laughs> I was I was genuinely shocked that I was enjoying the game. Sounds unbelievable. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah. Uh, Cody Waitman. Is that the best first kick in AFL history? Oh, it was a belter, Isaac but the Rankin. mark as well. Isaac Lincoln has something to say about that. Oh, what did he do with his first kick? <laughs> what did he, what's he ever done? He kicked a goal with his first kick. Yeah, but not from like 45 out on a tight angle with a banana. That's just the arrogance to not only take a pack mark, attempt to pack mark, to take it. And then Bont was on the lead. He ignored his captain and went for a banana. And it went through. It's just there's a small part of me that hopes Cody never plays again and he's just this legendary figure that played this amazing one game and he still gets a statue out the front of Witten Oval. I, I still maintain Marlon Pickett should have retired after the grand final last year. Yes, agreed. Yeah. For the same sort of reasons. I did love Cody Waitman because they show, you know, those videos of when people tell their parents that they're playing and I always find them. They're doing that every week now. Honestly, hook it to my veins. I couldn't, I can't get enough of that. Honestly, it's my favourite thing. But Cody Waitman called his parents and his mum was all like, you know, I'm so proud of you. You've worked so hard. Blah, blah. Where's dad? He says, oh, he's in the shed or something. I was like, oh, okay. I'll call him <laughs> like, I had to bleep almost the whole thing. The dad was so straight talking farmer. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> It was so funny, and I thought, I love this family. I'm very into them. And then Cody Waitman had said, I think, Danny, you tagged me in this on Instagram, just about how when he was little, he would always, when he opened a packet of chips, or Chris, every time he got a wish chip, which is one that's folded over, he would make a wish that he would become a footballer, which honestly... My heart blew up and exploded yeah. everywhere because it was so beautiful. And it reminded me of Hook because I completely forgot about wish chips. You know when um, in the movie Hook, Robin Williams remembers all that stuff about being a childhood that he'd completely forgotten? I remembered wish chips and realised how many I've wasted. Like I could we could have won 11 premierships, Richmond. Yeah, it's a missed opportunity, Tess, I'll tell you. So thanks, Cody, for the reminder. <laughs> Tess Armstrong is to blame for Richmond's premiership drought. <laughs> So yeah, apologies, Richmond people. I really let the team down until 2017, which clearly I remembered then. Uh, Danny, Tim English is so good. He also looks like an actor playing an American footballer from the 1950s. Though. Oh, yes. <laughs> that is a brilliant, brilliant analysis. I love that so much. <laughs> Tell me about, about Tim English. Tim English is such a, a nice, shy lad that um, Luke Beveridge has put a lot of faith in him. Like, he's just been our number one ruckman. He's very skinny, but Bevo is just all in on him. And, and this this match showed uh, it paid off dividends. This was his breakthrough game. This was like Tom Hawkins in the 2011 Grand Final, where he just went, found another level and was just so amazing. And he's very shy. Um, he also has, I remember once I was uh, sitting with Annie Nolan, who is Liam Pickens' uh, wife, and I was, so I was sort of sitting with the Wags for a Dog Swans game, and there was this Amazonian, beautiful, 
godlike woman, uh, very blonde, very attractive. And uh, I had to say to Annie, I go, who, who, who's that? She goes, I actually don't know. God, I hope she's Tim English's girlfriend because no one else will be able to be the same height as her. And we found out it was Tim English's girlfriend. She is a netballer. She's, she's uh, fantastic. <laughs> and then I had to, I was doing match day MC and I had to interview Tim English. And I started talking about how amazingly beautiful and tall and striking his girlfriend is. And then realized there was no question. I was just telling him how well done. So he's got a really hot girlfriend. He's a really amazing player and he's very shy. Did you see he denied Luke Hodge the post-match interview uh, because he had to, he said, no, no, I've got to go shake hands with all the opposition first. Oh, yeah, that's right, uh, which is a very COVID unsafe approach from... Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right, I just have to go and spit on all of the opposition, so I've got a bit on. <laughs> I just have to lick the footy. <laughs> I'll be back shortly with a chest in Actually, uh, on... Um, when crowds were allowed in in WA, where they've got all of these, you know, that guy that was streaking on Friday, on Thursday night was fined like fifty thousand, oh, yeah. um, which is pretty funny, but also was dead by That's his friends. That's like three coffees <laughs> in Perth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> With all that mining money, piece of cake. But yeah. it was pretty funny because they have all of these uh, precautions in place. You know, no one's allowed to touch. No crowd are allowed to really need really be near the players. But when the ball went out of bound, like a rando picked it up and threw it back. I was like, well, then. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's a really good point. <laughs> well, hang on. Does that ruin the hub then? How do they know that person hasn't got? I think that person. Yeah, surely the ball going over the fence, it's got to go like in the backyard footy rules. Like maybe that's a, it's a, it's a penalty goal to the other side or, or somehow sticks and out. Or yeah, it's, it's got to be, out. the ball has to be disinfected. Remember when they were playing? We saw the ball oh, in, rugby league. in rugby league earlier this year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, perhaps we need to introduce some sort of disinfectant. Maybe the uh, the boundary umpires have to wear disinfectant gloves. They scrub the ball every time they touch it. Just bring us some spray and wipe. <laughs> hey, now, that game, it was uh, pretty dull on Thursday night, I thought, that game. I just oh. really struggled to get into it. It's so hard to watch Collingwood win. And also because I'm not a believer that Collingwood um, are going to, like, win the flag or whatever. And so also I was so disappointed because Geelong the week before played very un-Geelong. Like, they were super fast. They were amazing. They had that incredible third quarter. So at half time, I was trying to counsel my, you know, Geelong supporting husband. And I was like, well, you know, last week you had that amazing third quarter. Who knows? They never, it never happened. They were terrible. So yeah. Were yeah. I agree with that, Tess. I, I remember at half time I thought I can't trust this, this scoreboard. Cats might come good. Collingwood might choke. How about how good was Hoskin Elliott's mark? Oh, that was so good. Will Hoskin Elliott is such a good marker. He also is the poshest sounding name in the whole competition for such a normal person. So just really big fan of Will Hoskin Elliott. And I was also disappointed to learn that Hoskin Elliott wears number 32. Surely Hoskin Elliott should wear 31 like Baskin Robbins 31 flavours. <laughs> uh, I mean... Yeah, I mean, that's what we've of, all been saying. Of course, yeah. <laughs> I think there should be a rule in the in the AFL that if your name suits a number, you should definitely like they have to put that in. You know, like someone called Levi should wear number five hundred and one. <laughs> Levi Casbolt has to wear five hundred and one. I love I love a high number, you know. So I would love a five hundred and one. All right. So what will our list be of best five hundred and ones though? <laughs> yeah, that is. <laughs> When we get there, that'll be the last episode of this podcast. Number seven, oh, so, so, so Zach, Zach Tui should wear number two. Yes. yes. 
because he's too weak. <laughs> yeah. Hey, how good, though? I think the biggest cheer of Thursday night was when Dennis Cometti appeared at halftime. That was like pure. I just literally, I was watching it alone, but I literally went, Dennis, yeah. <laughs> Nothing sadder, though, than when Dennis Cometti comes comes on, but then BP keeps commentating. I was like, give us Dennis. Well, I would have thought Tess BT would have been all right because, uh, you know, Bruce had, I think, one of the worst gaffes of his career by uh, talking about Jordan to go in his little hiccup. Yeah, which mm. a, a serious charge, which isn't a hiccup for Jordan to go in, nor is it a hiccup for the victim. But Tess, it's well known that uh, in, if you play at a high enough level, just hold your breath and take nine sips of water and the allegations will disappear. <laughs> if you to certain big clubs, allegations are meaningless. But anywho, he did apologise, which is good for Bruce, but it was kind of indicative of the whole evening because I was so disappointed by that game and then I was so disappointed that it was Bruce because I love Bruce. I was just like... Yeah. for the hours and then I was sitting next to someone who's wanting Geelong to win and they never came back. It was just a disappointing night all round. <laughs> for everyone. Nothing good came out of that game. <laughs> if you're a Collingwood fan listening, I'm sorry, but, yeah, I'm not really. Well, let's uh, let's finish this off, team. If we, uh, we've got, have we got a game left? Have we done them all? Yeah, well, tonight, we're recording this on Monday afternoon as we do. Uh, tonight the Crows play the Saints. We're going to have to uh, just protect. I think this sort of game, it's going to be pretty easy. Uh, this just, we'll just go and choose your own adventure for for the listeners. Uh, let's uh, let's go with the obvious that St Kilda's one of. Uh, geez, how bad were the crows? Yeah, crows were indeed uh, terrible, weren't they? St Kilda just ran all over them. Crows, I look watching them last night. I just thought they played without confidence. What did you guys think? <laughs> I mean, I'll say, and I've always said this, no Billy Frampton, no Adelaide Crows. And it was the wrong call. I don't know. I never came alive. Yeah. That's two music jokes. Two music jokes. <laughs> well done. Well done. All right, All right now, ultimate ending. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, hey, what about the Crows? I was not expecting that. I know. i tell you what, that 2017 end of season camp starting to pay dividends. <laughs> It was a slow burn all along. And I'll say it again, and I've said it every single week, no Jonathan Marsh, no St Kilda. He's <laughs> <laughs> oh, so important to their setup. He really is. I, just, I don't know yeah. why Brett Ratton has been blocking my calls. He's so important. He's actually going to change his name to Jack. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> Jay Marsh more, doesn't need to do much difference. The more Jacks, the better. Before we finish up, guys, I just want to uh, change sports, change codes for a minute, just some uh, some soccer news. Limo, congratulations. Your Chelsea are in the FA Cup final playing Arsenal. That is right. Uh, in uh, two weeks' time, roughly, at an now, empty Wembley Stadium will be very weird. Tess, you don't have a team in Europe, do you, a, a soccer team? Nah. I did some thinking about you, just just as I do, and I think the obvious team would be Liverpool for you because Richmond, like Liverpool, would you know they're big clubs, but they were terrible for a long time, big droughts, and they've finally been broken. But that just doesn't suit your personality to come in, jump on the bandwagon of the the biggest team at the moment. Yeah, um, yeah. You could go for Hull because they're the Tigers as well. They're not in the Premier League though; they're they're a division down. You could go for Watford, who wear yellow and black. Uh, they're part owned by Elton John. 
Thought you might like that. Ooh, I love that. They have a moot on their logo, but they're called the Hornets, which is baffling. And then I, I did even more research. The, the Armstrong clan uh, came from the English-Scottish border. Yes. So the, the closest club around there would be your Newcastle. Uh-huh. Uh, however, they wear Collingwood-style jumpers. No. Uh, I think, though, you should go for Southampton, who are called the Saints. It's a family link there. Your family go for St Kilda. Their best striker, Stuart Armstrong. <gasps> Uncle Stuart. Yeah, he's younger than us, but yeah. Uncle Stuart. There's footballers that are older than me, so it makes it keeps me young. <laughs> so I think well, I'm going to put that out to the fans. Who should test support in in Europe or, or English Premier League? Uh, and also I want to give a shout-out to Aziz Bekic, Socceroo, whose team Bash Ak Shekia, uh, won the Turkish League for the first time last night, uh, the first time in, like, decades that not one of the big Istanbul teams won. Yeah, they're like, the, they're like the North Melbourne of Istanbul. They've just never won it before. They've got it. So congrats to them. Uh, well done. Uh, I think, Danny, Tess, I've chosen two teams, Tess Cabrera. Okay. Uh, either Norwich City. The Canaries? Yes, because they are bottom and are about to be relegated. <laughs> Or uh, Burnley in the English Premier League. Okay, why is that? Because they're currently sitting ninth. (laughs) (laughs) Figured familiar territory. Like eleven, I have six choices, right? Yeah, yeah. So Mm -hmm. any one of those. I'm very leaning towards the yellow and black Elton John combo. I'm not sure why that seems. Yeah, that's that's a tasty combo. What were they called again? Watford. Watford. Oh, okay. Who could still get relegated, by the way. Which I don't mind. I'm kind of up for that. I'm up for a journey. A journey. I'm a journeyman. You're up for a battle. <laughs> <laughs> All right, team. Very good. Well, uh, let's wrap it up and just say a welcome to our latest Patreon, Sally Kay, who joined actually while we were recording. Uh, and also she sent a message to our socials uh, that we should announce. Uh, she, she listened to us when we were on the ABC uh, and the the app, the podcast app, you need to resubscribe on that. So if you know someone who used to listen to the show or someone who might enjoy the show, tell them, look for us on the iTunes uh, app. You've got to resubscribe. We'll post uh, on our socials so you can find us. Yeah. Oh, and if you are a Patreon subscriber, you're going to get bonus episodes from this week. Oh, and yeah. If you want to hear those... Uh, give us some money. Extra content for you. Um, uh, and if you like it, please review us and recommend us uh, to a friend as well. Uh, thank you, uh, Tess Armstrong. Thank you, Go Tigers Against the Giants. Thank you, Danny McGinley. Thank you, Go Dogs Against Everyone but the Suns on Thursday. All right. And uh, and Go Hawkers against, I don't even know who we're playing next week. Play the Swans, Battle of the Rebuilds. Oh, 20s, of course, at the SCG. Uh, go Hawks. All right. Thank you, team.